uh, I uh, spent the week in Selma, so I'm really gr <coughs> I'm really grateful to be here today. <laughs> the uh, I ate so badly that I probably need to go to some kind of bad eating confession three or four times. But I but uh, I really am so very grateful to be here, uh, and uh, the. The word that I'm going to share is from the New Testament reading from Romans. And, uh, and so, uh, Father Ronnie, would you pray for the homily today? Sure. Father God, we do give you thanks today for you are holy. Yes, Lord. And you are good. We pray you pour out your spirit upon us today. Let your servant Ron proclaim your word in truth and power and give us ears to hear it and receive it, that it may go down deep within us and bear fruit that lasts to the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, we, I, I, if you keep, if you do the lectionary you would have noticed that we expanded the readings because I didn't understand why they short they did a shorter version of what we just read because those we added a couple of verses at the t in the beginning and then we added a couple of verses at the end because they just make better sense and also uh, but happy Trinity Sunday to everyone this is the Sunday that the church has chosen to be sure that we remember that we serve a triune God that we are uh, and uh, to note that Father Ronnie was questioning me a little bit last night about today and the, being Trinity Sunday and I, and I tell him I'm, I'm not going to try to explain that <laughs> you know I'm, I'm going to do something totally different than that because it's just it's, it's quite beyond me how the three can be one but they're th also three separate identities and their own rights and, and they function separately uh but together at all times. Even though when uh, Jesus is being Jesus walking on the earth, he never did anything that he didn't see the Father doing. And, the Holy, and he said when he given the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit would reveal what he sees Jesus and the Father doing. So again, I don't understand all that. I just believe it. It's real simple. So, but what I do is look at this passage in Romans. So, as I was looking through the readings and uh, trying, asking God, you know, Lord, what would you say to us, to uh, this little small group of us here that would inspire us to love you and to follow after you even more than what we do, what we're doing? Uh, and that's one of those things that no matter where we're at in the Lord, we may be, be at, uh, in a really great place where we're just consumed with God and His love for Him and His love for us and all that. But... We can always grow more, you know. We're, we we will never arrive to that place of totalness, of knowing and understanding and um, much of anything, but particularly God's love, because it's just so far beyond us. So anyway, uh, I'm going to kind of do this maybe as a kind of verse by verse a little bit, um, and just see you know just see where we go at, at, with the whole thing. And uh, we'll just start with verse 10. 
If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will, will also give, you, your, give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For, who, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoptions as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit, of, the spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs, also heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. And if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may be if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is uh, to be revealed in us. There is so much in here that to, that could be unpacked, and I'm not going to unpack it very much. I'm just going to unpack a few little small things. Uh, that as I read this, and as the Lord just kind of like began to open my eyes to some of these things, and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I've never quite read it that way. So I'm going to take a look at verse 12. And I'm going to kind of jump back, back and forth a little bit. So then, brethren, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. You know, you can read that and, and miss it. You know, because of the way it's written. So then, brethren, we are under ob obligation. You know, see, now if I'd been wrote, writing that, I'd have written it more like, we're, you know, so brethren, uh, we are not under obligation. And Paul just, because of the language at the time, and, uh, and most languages are like backwards to, our, to the English language anyway. They, they say things backwards, you know. Uh, if you ever go to like Africa, the Africans that speak English speak a very British English. And so like this kind of like a lot of times the it's backwards, you know, the way from the way that we would say things. So it's hard to follow them. You really have to learn to pay attention to what someone is saying to be able to follow uh, people from other countries because of the way the language their language is written versus our language, even with England and all. But think about that for a minute. You're not under any obligation. None. That's what the Word says. So do you believe what the Word says? That's always my question with people is that, do we believe it? Because, uh, if you remember, I did a homily on believing uh, several months ago. And, I'll, and how John, in particular, the, book, the Gospel of John, most people think it's about God's love and all that, which it is all that. But primarily it's about believing. Because that word believe is used more times in John than the word love. And it's also used more times than it is in the other three Gospels. It's the word believe or some derivative of that word. And you just take the 11th chapter and the one little story about Lazarus and how many times the word believe is used there. I believe it's like 11 times. And you read the story thinking about it, and the story is about believing. It's not about Lazarus really being raised from the dead. 
that was just a part of the story. Really, the story was about believing, and that's what it says in the very beginning of the story. And all. So do we believe? It's always the question that I ask myself when I read scriptures like this. I go, do I believe that? And if I believe that, how does that really affect my life? In what ways is that affecting my life? So let's think about that. That we're not under any obligation to the flesh to live according to the flesh. So that kind of it's kind of reassuring, but it's also kind of snatches the rug out from under our feet because we have no excuses. Because we're not under, under obligation to fulfill the lust of the flesh, whatever that form that takes, whether it's overeating or over talking or whatever it is. Like I say, and again, too many times I think that we look at stuff and we go like, we look at sin as like there's these sins over here and the Catholics have done a good job where they have like mortal sins and virile sins and all this. Well, it's just this sin. And yes, is there worse sins than other sins? Well, yeah. I mean, like murdering someone is definitely worse than telling some kind of little white lie. But sin is still sin. Then we kid ourselves when we give in to sin and we justify sin by saying, well, it's a little white lie. Or it's no big deal, or, or, or whatever the reasons are. Because Christ died that we would be set totally free from sin, not partially free. And for some reason, we think that we were only set partially free because we still struggle with it. We still struggle with sin because of not a liking of what He did, but a liking of our belief in what He did. Because when he said it was finished, he didn't, that word in the Greek doesn't mean partially finished. It means it's a done deal. It's done. There's no more. It's, it's, it's complete. But for some reason, we live a life of incompleteness. Because we don't, we don't believe it and act like we believe it and walk it out as if we believe it. Now, I'm not you know, trying to preach to you that you're going, that you can be sin-free, that you can be like perfect, because we know that James says, you know, like I believe it's James says, you know, he who says he's without sin is a liar. You know, we have this deal in our bodies that is always trying to lead us astray. It's our own flesh, it's own our own pretensity. I think that's the right word to sin. But we are kind of we are set free that we don't have to. We are not under that obligation. Just because the flesh raises up its head and says, "Oh no, you're you're entitled to this," which that's the big that's the biggest problem in our culture and in the world today is a sense of entitlement. You know, in which moving here to Selma, I have learned that people in Se not moving from Selma to here to Tuscaloosa, I have learned that people here in Tuscaloosa have an extreme entitlement mentality towards driving. <laughs> you know, it's like they're entitled to the road. And they're in, in uh, uh, the worst thing is, I, and I have to like really be careful because I've almost gotten hit several times in parking lots because nobody, like everybody's entitled but you. <laughs> you know? And so you may be backing out but it has no meaning to most, most people in Tuscaloosa, I don't think. Because they just go like 30 miles an hour you know, behind you. you know. and So it's like, 
I've learned not to be terrified by that. I've just learned to back out in like little three-inch increments <laughs> until I can get so my camera either shows me or I can see that there's not somebody driving. And people in Tuscaloosa, by the way, y'all drive the fastest of any people I've ever seen in my life in a parking lot. I never knew that you could drive 60 miles an hour in a parking lot until I moved here, but apparently you can't. some people can. But just because we have that feeling, we're not obligated to that feeling. We're not obligated to give in to that. You know, we have a Savior that we can say, Lord, help me. You know, help me in my unbelief, even. See, God has set this thing up is that even if you don't believe, you know, even if you're struggling in believing in Him, even if you're struggling in believing the Trinity, which is most people at some point struggle with that because it's so it's such a mystery that's that's so really unexplainable really because all the excellent everything I've ever heard about explaining the Trinity always falls short there's great explanations you know by great men but it's always when I read them or had to be involved in them in seminary and stuff and discussions I'm, I always walk away going like I don't think we got it <laughs> You know, I think there's a lot more to this than what we've been able to to say and to uh, write about or whatever. And um, I remember in seminary they uh, told us that we had to write a paper on the Trinity and explaining the Trinity and all about the Trinity and all that. And I was like, yes, thank God that I am just auditing this class and I do not have to do this stuff. <laughs> Because I knew it, mine would not, it'd be just a total mess. But we're not under obligation. I want us to understand that. Because that's what the Word says. That you're not under any obligation to the flesh. Now that's not, you know, you're going to give in. You know, that's true. But you can fight against that greater. When you realize that, that, that sin has no power over you. You're not obligated. Just because it pops its head up doesn't mean that you had to fall off into that. Because uh, I mean, if that was a great case, you know, I've already killed a lot of people, you know. But uh, I, you know, I know I don't. Not only should should I not do that, but the consequences of doing that are severe. But so is sin of any kind. If we give into it, and it becomes our personal little domain, domain of where we live. You know, and we go. I, you know, I give all of this to Jesus. You know, I'm not going. I'm not going to kill people. I'm not even going to rob people. I'm not even going to steal from people. Yeah, maybe I might cheat on my taxes, but I'm not going to steal from people. And we get we go through this, but then we come to some little thing that we have this. Well, I'm entitled to feel this way, or I'm entitled to this. And it may not manifest itself out into things that we do, but it will in our attitude towards things. I have a dear, dear brother that we uh, we shared rooms together in a ministry that was all in, and, and actually uh, he lived with me for a while. Uh, he's a Vietnam vet and uh, had horrible experiences with Agent Orange issues. 
You know, he didn't. He really didn't have bad experiences as a as a guy on the front line getting shot at that kind of stuff. He just was one of those lucky guys who went to Vietnam and walked around in the jungles and stuff and just never got shot at. You know. Uh, but the consequences was he got exposed to a lot of the Agent Orange issues and suffered with a lot of issues physically and mentally, you know, because of that, and had bad experiences with the VA and the government. And the last time that I, <coughs> that I saw him, he was so ate up with a bad attitude. Because he felt like he was owed something by the government for his service. And so do I, absolutely, you know. Uh, but it affected him to the place that because he felt that was okay for him to do that, they would never really let the Holy Spirit deal with it or deal with him about his attitude towards whatever it was at the time. See, there's nothing, you know, we're not under obligation to sin, but we are under obligation to the Holy Spirit. You know, so it's always that when the Jewish people wrote, Paul wrote stuff, they, sometimes they used these, these wordages that, and it was just understood, understood by them that they would talk about a one side while they were, I mean, they would not talk about the other side of the coin, but it was always implied, totally implied and stuff. So that's the first thing. Is, well, you're not under an obligation to sin. You're not under an obligation to cop a bad attitude about the lady who almost hits you when you're backing out at Walmart. Or you're not under obligation to have a bad attitude about the cashier at Walmart that can't count, you know, and doesn't even know how to run the cash register and push the buttons. It's just all a big mystery to her. Uh, because having a bad attitude towards that is sin. And that's what we have to understand. We have to first, you know, understand that we're not under obligation. So if we're not under obligation, we can actually call sin, sin. Our sin, sin. Not, not your sin. You know, I'm really, not, I'm really not supposed to be calling out your sin, unless it's ridiculous. But I am supposed to call out my own sin before the Lord and ask for forgiveness. That's why we do confession. That's what confession is all about. Dealing with the sins that we're no longer obligated to so we can be set free from them. And um, Because if you don't, you're living according to the flesh. Paul really uses strong words here. You must die. But if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, it's, Paul used the words, worded here, putting to death, so that we would understand it's not a one and done. You know, we don't go to the altar, altar and meet Christ there and confess our sins and accept Him as our Savior, and it's all over with, it's done, that then from then on we're going to be perfect. That was one of my problems as a young Christian, is that I thought, okay, you know, I've given my life to Christ, then it, it should be done, right? I shouldn't have to deal with all the things that I was doing the day before, you know. Uh, I should be set free, and that's not the way it works. Because it's a putting to death. It's a, it's a daily 
carrying our cross. It's a daily accepting that we have to die to our flesh and live to the Spirit. So he tells us that, that you, you know, if, you, if you live according to the flesh, and this has been my experience, and I don't know, there's a place where it absolutely doesn't work maybe. I just haven't found that place. But what I have found is that if I harbor sin, harbor a bad attitude, you know, like I said, that, that's, I don't murder people. But I do sometimes get really bad attitudes. You know, I do really think sometimes and judge people, you know, like, you know, like if they would just wake up and smell the coffee, you know. Uh, Jesus never really had that attitude. His attitude was always, you know, if they could just experience my love. If they could just open up and experience and put aside the fear and the anxiety and just fully embrace my love for them. And let that love pour out of them and all. So there's, what I do know is that if you have something and you keep this, like, it's your personal little sin that you are totally okay with. You know, that sooner or later it's going to bring death. Your relation, and that death will be, your relationship with Christ will suffer. You may not think it suffers because you keep doing the religious stuff. But it really does. And somewhere along the line, you wake up to that, that wow, you know, I'm still reading my 200 chapters a day in the Bible. Uh, you know, I'm still praying for four hours every day. Uh, I'm still doing, I'm still doing, I'm still doing, I'm still doing. But I have no sense of God's presence anymore. He seems far away. He seems distant. You know, my prayers are bouncing off the ceilings, you find all that stuff starting to happen. And if you're going through that at any level, you know, stop and just say, Lord, what is it? Holy Spirit, what is it that you want to deal with here and that you want me to put to death and no longer live according to the flesh? And He is faithful to do those things. In verse 15, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons of which we cry out, Abba, Father. See, most of our issues and problems are rooted and grounded in fear. You know, I don't love you the way Christ loves you because I'm afraid. I'm afraid that you'll take advantage of me in some way. I'm afraid that you'll misunderstand me in some way. I'm just there's just I'm afraid. And that's why I said he gave us a spirit of adoption, not of fear. So we have this spirit within us that wants to set us free from that fear of each other and fear of the world and the fear of anything. I mean, we look at the history of the church and we look at those first guys. Now, those guys got set free from fear. You know, a bunch of guys who were like insanely afraid. You know, we talked about that last Sunday, Sunday at Pentecost about they were hiding in a room. You know, they had gotten to found them a little room that they felt was safe and they had the door shut and the windows and all that. And they were afraid 
of being judged and crucified and put to death until the Holy Spirit truly entered into them and totally just set them free and then but they were free because they would they first thing they did is they went outside and Peter preached a scathing gospel you know he didn't miss any words this Jesus whom you crucified you know um, in which maybe we should hear that sermon ourselves and apply it to us. This Jesus whom you have crucified before you got to church today because you copped an attitude or you had a thought or you said, well, I'm not willing you know, to give it up, whatever it is. You know? So have we crucified Jesus? Um... But we have received a spirit of adoption, not a spirit of fear. And that adoption is always there, crying, wanting to cry out, storm and over, Abba, Father. Says the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. You know, I remember reading that one time and going like, yeah, but I'm not hearing Him. <laughs> you know? And that is the problem. It's not that He's not testifying. It's the, pro the problem is that I'm not willing to hear him sometimes. And sometimes the problem is that I'm not willing to take time to, be, to just simply let him speak, to be with him. You know, it's like, you know, I'm great at going, telling the Lord what to do. Like, okay, Lord, like, I'm going to like, go do this, go do that, and all kind of, that kind of stuff. So tell me what to do. You know, which and what I'm meaning is like, tell me what to do spiritually. You know, like if I'm uh, going to preach a word, tell me what the word is to preach, that kind of stuff. But I'm not taking time. I'm not giving him time. You know, uh, I'm just text messaging with him at best. Just need to give him time to us. And we'll hear that spirit within us testifying that we are his. And then, because I'm dragging this out far, far too long, verse 18. Well, this is 17. And if children heirs, also heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, so that we may also be glorified with Him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. You know, we can read that and just kind of buzz right over that, because... Uh, there's nobody that's going to crucify you on a cross for your testimony of Jesus. You know, that's not happening here in our country. It happens in other countries. Uh, but you know, we do s suffer. There's things that we suffer. And there's things that we suffer when we crucify the flesh. Crucifying the flesh and putting to dead, to dead the flesh is not always pretty. It's not always pleasant for the ones who are doing it. So there is a suffering, you know. And so maybe that suffering is when you're at Walmart and you're standing in that line and that lady is like, not only has she paid for her groceries, but they're all in bags in her cart, but she's now at 10 minutes carrying on a conversation with the cashier. Maybe our suffering is that we embrace that as God's will. And we embrace the fact that any negative feelings that we have are sin and get for, ask forgiveness 
and instead let the spirit that's testifying of Christ's love create that love in us that we don't have naturally but that Christ does if we just allow him to live his life as he sinks in us. Amen? Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.